Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Yes, I did have to <clears throat> I did have to correct one of our illustrious elected officials from Mecklenburg County, State Senator Natasha Marcus, uh, who uh, uh, regurgitates the uh, the lie spread by Tommy Tomlinson over at uh, was he at uh, the public radio affiliate now that Robin Hood uh, stole from the rich to give to the poor and the um, what is it the school vouchers is reverse Robin Hood ism and okay first off it's actually not even reverse Robin Hood ism it is Robin Hood that's that school vouchers are Robin Hood ism think about it Everyone thinks that Robin Hood, well, every, the left makes this argument that Robin Hood stole from the rich to give to the poor, right? He stole from the government. He stole from the sheriff, from the court, from the king, right? That's who he stole from. And where did they get the money? Taxes. They taxed the people into poverty, these peasants, and they just took and took and took all their money. And then they couldn't hunt on the lands and such because it was all reserved for the royalty, for the government, for the powerful people. And so he took their money from the, from the quote, rich, from the government, took it from them and gave it back to the people who had it robbed from them. School vouchers, basically the same thing, right? You're taxed, it goes into the government, and now the voucher comes along and says, here's your money back. But in the minds of the left, that money wasn't yours to begin with. This is how we, yeah, this is how we end up in this, in this galactically stupid place that we always seem to end up <laughs> when it comes to this talk about vouchers and the, the expansion of the Opportunity Scholarship Program here in North Carolina. And we've got some truly silly arguments that keep getting made and misinformation and lies that keep getting spread even got there's some Duke professor that is smearing Milton Friedman as a racist segregationist, when in fact his his uh, support and endorsement of the uh, school vouchers back in the fifties he said would actually lead to greater integration in the schools. That's what that was one of the perks. It was a benefit that he saw of it. Yet the lefties smear him now. As some sort of segregationist, the Pulitzer Prize winning economist, Milton Friedman, who thought this was the way to proceed because it would dismantle segregated schools. And now they accuse him of believing in segregation. It's just unbelievable. Um, All right. Sure. Yeah. Well, all right. Why not? Hello, Tommy. Welcome to the program. What's up, Tommy? Yes, uh, I'm just a little bit confused about what you really think about this, because this is clearly taking uh, from the uh, minority kids and it's clearly putting them in a situation where they can't uh, get the benefits of a full education. Why do you think that? Well, clearly you can't see 
the, the segregation is happening. It, it doesn't happen all that often in the northern states, but it certainly happens here in the southern <laughs> states. Clear racism across the board. I almost get the sense this is a bit. I well, almost get the sense that this is yeah. like Dave. Well, is your real Dave. name Dave? No, my name's not Dave. Okay. My name is Tommy. Okay. But maybe not Tommy Tom. Oh, I, I, there you go. See, I knew it was a bit. Yeah, well, I'm I just giving it a shot. I appreciate it, Tommy. Thank you. I appreciate it. Didn't make the connection. Sorry. I'm usually faster on my feet than that. But I will admit, I, uh, I stayed up way too late last night. I blame my wife. She put on the shows. I started watching the TV with her, and then we had to watch the last episode of Perry Mason. <sighs> stayed up way too late. But also the night before, we had people over, and we stayed up late that night. And once you get, you get into that cycle, you know, stay up late, sleep late, stay up late, sleep late, and then it's like stay up late. Oh, got to get up early. Oh, right. So I usually would have, I think I usually would have caught that earlier. Because that is Tommy Tomlinson. <laughs> it's a pretty good impression. <laughs> I, I didn't even, re- yeah. Tommy has that raspy voice. I could tell the voice was an effect. I could tell that. I just, for some reason, I, it's, I'm just tired. Yeah. Fake voice troll. Right. But that Tommy Tomlinson talks like that. He has a very raspy voice. He has forever. Like ever, like 20 years ago when uh, he was a columnist at the Charlotte Observer. And I would run into him every now and again out covering stuff. But he's got this is where it started. And that's what Senator Natasha Marcus is uh, retweeting this um, this column that he wrote over at. uh, Yeah, the public radio affiliate, WFAE. And he says, at some point, I have a certain grudging respect for the dedication some people have to playing Robin Hood in reverse. It's not again. It's not Robin Hood in reverse. It is Robin Hood. That's what they are doing. They are returning money to the people, to the people that were taxed. Now, you may not like the fact that the person getting the money back makes more money than you do. You may be jealous or envious of that fact. But they paid that money through taxes into the state government coffers. And you may want that money to go be spent on somebody else, like your kid, But what the voucher is doing is returning not even 100% of that money to that wealthy person. It's returning 45% of it to the wealthy person. So not even half. They're going to get not even half of their money back to pay for a year's worth of tuition. Next year, it'll be the vouchers will be like 7,400 bucks. And um, they would get 45% of that. If you make over like a quarter million dollars a year, you, you make... You get 45% of that voucher. The poorer you are, the more, the higher percentage of the voucher you get. So the poorest still get a 100% of the $7,400, the full opportunity scholarship, the full voucher. And uh, I've gone over these, um, uh, these brackets. It's basically a progressive tax system. The income tax that progressives say we have to uh, you know, protect – this, this progressive rate where, you know, the more money you make, the bigger percentage the government takes, that we have to preserve this for, you know, for fairness. That's that's the rich paying their fair share, right? A rich person should be taxed at, you know, 70% of their income, but a poor person should be taxed zero, right? 
And that's a fair system. That's a progressive tax system in their minds. Yet when you implement a progressive bracket system for the vouchers, now this is robbing the poor, (laughs) which it's not because they're not paying taxes in the first place. Yeah, newsflash, right? The poor don't pay these income taxes. They're not paying into the state coffers. They're getting refunds. The people that pay the taxes into the general fund, those are the rich people. Well, but Pete, they're paying for private uh, tuition right now anyway. And so now this is going to give them some of that money back. And so it's going to starve the public schools, right? That's the, that's this other argument. It's going to starve the public schools. You know what's amazing? All of these arguments that we hear today, Milton Friedman addressed back in the 50s. Almost 70 years ago, Milton Friedman addressed all of these arguments. And by the way, opposition um, to the vouchers came from the segregationists. Do you know that? Yeah, it came from the segregationists because they wanted to keep using the force of government to keep the schools segregated. So there's a couple things. And back then, uh, this is when Friedman, uh, yeah, Friedman was writing about this. This was like in the 70s. And he said, um, this was New York's, this is amazing. The city of New York spends $1,500 per year to educate every kid at public school. That was it. $1,500. That was the... That was the per-pupil expenditure in New York City when he wrote this. So one of the arguments you hear against vouchers, the financial cost. He says this is only a problem if one neglects the present discrimination against parents who send their children to non-public schools. Universal vouchers would end the inequity of using tax funds to school some children but not others. Right? There is present discrimination occurring right now, and it's against parents who send their kids to private school because they're paying twice. You're discriminating against them because they've made a different choice. But see, that form of discrimination is okay. (laughs) That's all right. We're going to penalize you because you can afford to get your kid out, and we're going to take your money, and we're going to use it to educate some other kids, but you don't get to have any kind of reimbursement for that tax. He says, um, possibility of fraud, right? We hear this argument too. How can one assure that the voucher is spent for schooling? The answer is that the voucher would have to be spent in an approved school or teaching establishment, right? You, you set up a certification system. You got to be a real school. And then there's the racial issue. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. On the voucher arguments, the anti-voucher arguments, they are nothing new. Milton Friedman addressed them 40, 50 years, uh, well, in the 50s, so 70 years ago. 
the racial issue. He says a voucher plan might increase racial and class separation in schools, exacerbate racial conflict, and foster an increasingly segregated and hierarchical hierarchical society. And that's the line that people are citing, and they're saying, see, Milton Friedman, he's endorsing vouchers as a way to segregate schools. The very next sentence, what what he is doing is stating their argument. That's what that line is. He is stating their argument because he lists all of these things. He says, let's examine some problems with the voucher plan and some objections that have been raised to it. The church state issue, financial cost, the possibility of fraud, the racial issue. And then he states what their argument is, that it's going to create more segregated schools. Now, remember, the voucher stuff started after Brown v. Board of Education. The, um, where is it? He says, so he states that he, he states their position, and then the very next sentence, he says, I believe that it would have precisely the opposite effect, that nothing could do more to moderate racial conflict and to promote a society in which black and white cooperate in joint objectives while respecting each other's separate rights and interests. Much objection to forced integration reflects not racism, but more or less well-founded fear about the physical well-being of children and the quality of their schooling. Integration has been most successful when it has been a matter of choice and not coercion. Now remember, this is, this is after you've got the you know, racially charged integration of the schools. And so when you have people that are making the choice to integrate, does it make sense to you to point out, right, that, oh, hey, people who voluntarily do this, they're usually okay with it and there's way less prob- way fewer problems and less violence going on, right? Makes sense. That's what he's talking about. Let me go over here to uh, Tom. Hello, Tom. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pete. Enjoying hey. your show. I'm Thanks. trying to butter you up. Just telling you, I do enjoy it. All right. I appreciate it. Well, what about a flat tax? Now, just be straight up with me. I mean, whatever they say, 10%, 5%, whatever. What about just a flat tax for everybody? On income? Or, I mean, we do have that for sales, right? Yeah, right. I'm talking about income tax. So, North Carolina, uh, when the Republicans took over in 2011, they uh, began implementing that very thing. They have uh, they have created a flat income tax rate, and they have a standard deduction. So the first, I think it's like twenty, or I don't remember what it is. Maybe like twenty five thousand dollars or thirty thousand dollars. That first twenty five or thirty k that you make per year is exempt, and then the tax applies on anything above that level. So they they increased that standard deduction. They jacked it way up. So basically, if you are working poor, you're not paying any income tax whatsoever due to the standard deduction. And then after that certain uh, level of income, then everybody pays the, I think it's uh, 4.7 at this point, 4.7%, but it's a flat tax rate. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. No problem. And I may be wrong on the, the numbers because I, I was not, I don't have them in front. Well, hang on a second. Hang on. Actually, let me see. Let me see. Hang on. Oh, yeah, here it is. I do have it. Well, this is from 2022, and I think they slashed it a little bit lower. 
So the personal income is uh, tax rate is 4.99%. I think they took another quarter of a point off, but I, I, but I don't remember. Um, 4.99%. The corporate income tax flat rate 2.5%. And the state sales and use tax, state sales tax is 4.75%. And then you've got local jurisdictions like Charlotte that has added a whole bunch of other taxes. I think we've added like nine cents or something onto that. <laughs> so it's like, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty high. I, I forget what our, our local sales tax rate is. Cause, and it depends on what you're buying too. If you get prepared food or beverages, you're paying more for that as an extra cent for the tourism stuff. So there you go. 4.99%. As of last year, it may have gone down um, this year though. May 1st. That's right. Happy communist day. Uh, may workers paradise be yours. Uh, then there is the uh, May 4th. That's the Star Wars Day. Happy Star Wars Day in advance. I'm not getting you anything either for that, but it's May the 4th. Be with you. Get it? May the 4th. Right. Well, I guess in that case, it's kind of like Star Wars Lisper Day. That's kind of the May the 4th. Be with you. May the 4th. That's But it's also crossover day. Not that kind of crossover. Crossover in the legislature. Crossover deadline. That's uh, that's when all of the bills have to cross over from the House to the Senate and the Senate to the House. It's a deadline that they have. So this way they're not uh, they're not, you know, submitting bills through the process in perpetuity because, you know, they have. This is the long session, and this is the longer uh, – they run on a two-year cycle. It's called a biennium, and so they have a long session one year and a short session the next year. They do their budget during this session. They'll come back next time around next year, and they make small changes, but it's supposed to be a much more abbreviated legislative session. So this is the long session, so they have this crossover deadline, so all the bills have to be, be filed by then. So that's why you're, you're getting a lot of stories now um, about legislation moving through the House and the Senate. It's all – because everybody's trying to get their stuff in before the deadline when it all crosses over. And so there was also something, I've got some audio uh, that got sent to me out of um, a legislative hearing uh, last week um, from an insider up there. So thank you for that. I've chopped it uh, up and I've got some of the debate over the um, <laughs> the obscenity law. This is amazing. So the General Assembly is looking to increase the penalty for performing obscene acts in the presence of minors. That's it. So the like the obscenity laws are already on the books. They're not changing that. They're not changing anything except to say, if you do it in the presence of a child, you're going to get stiffer penalties. And this has turned out all of the, the drag show supporters that say you're targeting drag shows. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But the voucher issue is... Um, is percolating because they want to expand the opportunity scholarship program and they want to remove the income caps. So if you were wealthy, you were, would not qualify to get any voucher money. And so what they're going to do is create these four tiers, these four brackets, right? And you get a certain percentage. If you are in the lowest tier, the lowest bracket, I think it's a family of four making 55 K a year you would get the full voucher. And the full voucher, <clears throat> excuse me, is somewhere around, I think I said $7,400 next year. It's $6,400. So I apologize. $6,400 next year. That's the uh, the voucher amount. You would get that full amount. 
And then the more money you make, I think the next one is up to like 111000 You get 90% of the voucher. And then goes up to like quarter of a million. You get 60% of the voucher. And if you make more than a quarter million, family of four, more than two hundred fifty k a year, you get 45% of the voucher value. And you're paying way more than that in taxes. So you get to keep some of the money that it costs to educate your kid. And this is a bridge too far, right? This is what uh, Tommy Tomlinson and uh, State Senator Natasha Marcus amplified, retweeted it. This is what they call reverse Robin Hoodism, which I point out is not Robin Hoodism. It's, or, or it, it actually is closer to Robin Hoodism because Robin Hood reclaimed wealth that was confiscated from the peasants. He reclaimed it from the government, not the rich, the government. I mean, think about that. Back then, wealth accumulation, creating wealth back in the you know 1500 England time frame, you could not create wealth. You were at the mercy of the government, and that's why Robin Hood emerged as this folklore hero. Um, okay, so he said this is a piece at uh, WFAE.org, Tommy Tomlinson, formerly of the Charlotte Observer. Their latest maneuver in North Carolina is a move to provide taxpayer-funded vouchers to any child in the state who wants to go to private school. Or public school, by the way, right? You could, you could argue that the voucher is being used at the public school, too. Republicans have introduced similar bills in both houses of the legislature, and some version is nearly certain to become law because of the GOP supermajority. Kids from families with modest incomes have been eligible for similar vouchers here for the past 10 years. That, to me, actually makes some sense. It provides an escape route for a kid stuck in a failing school. How dare you, Tomlinson? How dare you undermine the public schools? Why do you hate teachers? Sorry, that's usually, well, I mean, that is usually the argument that even if you, even if you say I'm okay with vouchers for, for poor families to get out of failing schools, I mean, oh, I'm sorry, I have to add in. You're a racist, Tomlinson. Sorry, I had to throw that one in too, right? These are the arguments that, that were made against me for a decade when I would say the same thing. But now I guess, well, that's one of the nice things. That's the, it's Democrat privilege, right? Your progressive privilege that I guess now you get to flip on these issues and not be called racist and not be called, you know, anti-education, that sort of thing, anti-teacher. But so he's saying, okay, now to be fair, he's not saying that he actually supports it. He's just saying it makes some bit of sense. That actually makes some sense, right? But this legislation, he says, would give even the wealthiest families a voucher equal to 45% of the state's average per student expenditure. And what that means is when the richest families in Charlotte send their kids to the ritziest schools in town, you and I help foot the bill. <laughs> okay, as one who has always footed the bill for everybody else's kids to go to school, right? Is, this, is that the principle of the matter? Is, it, is that the deal? Like you don't want to help send that kid to school? Why? Because they're rich? They're, their parents are rich? Is that why? So you're saying that we should not provide any funding to educate any kid. So what about a rich kid in a public school? What what then? Should we should we charge that family like a private school tuition? Make them yeah, like charge them more money to attend the public school. Right? I mean, if this is the standard, if this is your beef that there shouldn't be any kind of, you know, taxpayer money used to educate the child of a rich person, 
then we should be charging tuition for rich kids at all public schools. No, that would be a consistent application of the standard. Oh, no, but if they go to public school, then it's okay. Then the taxpayer funds on the for the kids education, then it's okay. That doesn't make any sense. Or is it because you don't want to pay for them to go to that private school because you think that they're going to get a better education? Is that the idea? You don't. So because that school is a, is a good school or perceived at least to be a better school, you don't think taxpayer money should be used to help give kids a better education. That's the idea. Again, these are, quote, rich people that are already sending their kids to private school. You know what the irony here is? He never stops for one. It's not even irony. It's like that Alana uh, or Alanis Morissette song. It's not really ironic. But um, it's that there are a lot of people who aren't rich that go to private schools. Their parents just, they do without. They sacrifice a lot. They work multiple jobs. They go into debt because they want to get their kids the best education they can. They don't have to be rich. But if you get the 45%, I guess that's what, see, that's what he's demagoguing, is the 45%. So that means a family of four with an income of over a quarter million a year. And so he's saying they shouldn't get 45% back. They're still paying more. Right? They're still paying more. But he doesn't even want the 45% of that voucher fund to go back to them. Money that they paid. Because in that tax bracket, yeah, they're, they're paying a lot on their income taxes. It's just born of envy. That's where this comes from. It's just envy. I don't know any other reason for it. Oh, hey, real quick. Before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Here's a message from Russ. He says, Pete, I tried explaining vouchers to a former math teacher friend. Uh-oh. Assuming we spend $10,000 per student and there are 30 students in our class, if one student leaves and takes 50% of the 10K, right? Most voucher plans are like 25 to 40%, right? It still leaves an additional $172 per student remaining or per remaining student. Yeah. Schools keep more cash with fewer students to be educated and using facilities and other amenities. She still thinks it'll bankrupt public education. I say it'll only destroy public education if people see how bad the product is and they make no effort to compete with the other options. Right. That's exactly right. Precisely. And Milton Friedman made this argument to them as well. 60 years ago. Right? He says, it's never made clear why, if the public school system is performing so magnificently, it need fear competition from non-public competitive schools. Right? In this piece, he also talks about um, the economic class issue. He says most of the country's outstanding public schools are in high-income enclaves where the locals pay high taxes and schools are well-funded. Such schools are better regarded as private tax shelters than as public schools. Think about it, right? You're paying, if you are in a, like, a, if you're in a, a town, and that town 
you know, only has one high school and it's a really rich town to live in and everyone pays their taxes to go to the school district to be really exclusive, right? You get to deduct the ownership of the house, right? You, you go out, you get a mortgage, you get your interest deductions, right? You get to deduct that off of your taxes to, be, to live in that town. So you're sheltering some money, right? Elementary schools, he says, probably would still largely be local under a voucher plan. Secondary schools would almost surely be less stratified. So in other words, the older the kids are, the more likely the schools are going to have a mixed group, socioeconomic group of students. Because the older they are, the you know farther distance they can travel to get to the different schools. Whereas at the elementary school level, you're probably still going to be going to a very local school. And as such, you're drawing out of those neighborhoods. But this is the thing. You know, the schools create this entire ordered society around them. I talk about this all the time where your your vacation schedules, your jobs, right, where you buy your house, where you live, the length of commutes, all of this stuff is tied to the schoolhouse. And people who can afford to live near better schools can afford to live near better schools. And the people who cannot suffer. So why not give them some options? Why not give everybody the options? And move everybody around as much as they want to move around, right? Let people decide for themselves. Schools defined by common interests, that's what you'll probably end up seeing. One would say, stress the arts. Another might focus on the sciences or foreign languages, right? And so that attracts socially and economically more diverse clientele. Why? Because the thing that is uniting them now is not a zip code or a race or socioeconomic status. It is the love for the particular area of focus, whether it's science or arts or foreign language or theater or whatever. That's the thing. If this school is known for this kind of content, then people want to go to that school. And that's going to be stratified across all socioeconomic strata. Makes sense to me. Michael says, all rich people should be banned from educational spaces. It is the only equitable solution. I think you're right. I think, that is the, I think that's the lesson here.